0: Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening is Rich Allen. Oh, I suppose it's que sera, sera for all our French teams, unfortunately, as our European endeavours have ended prematurely, unfortunately. But we have some things to look back on and some legal in action to look forward to after the latest headlines. On Tuesday, we actually had some Liga action as Paris Saint Germain comfortably beat Dijon 4 0. Marquinhos, Kylian Mbappe, Angel Di Maria, and Eric Maxim Chupamoteng all scored for the runaway leaders. Wednesday saw Lyon's Champions League dreams crushed by Barcelona, who won 5 1 on the night. Two goals and two assists from the maestro that is Lionel Messi sealed the with deal as Ligon struggled to handle the mid magician. In the Europa League tonight, Rennes unfortunately went out 4-3 on aggregate and 3-0 on the evening as Arsenal won at the Emirates. Two Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang goals with an ainsley maitland niles finish sandwiched between them sees the Gunners through to the quarterfinals. Elsewhere, Didier Deschamps named his Les Bleus squad for the upcoming Euro 2020 qualifiers against Moldova and Iceland. The surprise being the kind of lack of new faces really with the likes of Luca Dean, Olivier Giroud and Joubi Silva all keeping their places and that's all for now but for all the latest in the world of French football head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We'll start tonight with the result that has just happened about five minutes before we've come on in and that is Arsenal 3, Ren 0 and that means the French side are out of the competition rich it's a kind of bittersweet of bittersweet evening for yourself and for French football really because Ren had so much hope going into this tie that they could have pulled off a result and for long periods I mean a gate a goal f- at any point really in this game would have changed the complexity of it but in the end they just didn't really have enough
1: no no I think Arsenal just about had the quality um to, to see them through um I did feel a little bit sorry for Ren I try, I try my best not to be too biased when I make this call, but I don't think there's any doubt um, that um, that Aubameyang is offside in the build-up to the Maitland-Niles goal. I don't think there's much doubt about that. He's offside by a, you know, a decent yard. And, okay, maybe, maybe I am being slightly biased, but I would perhaps argue that Aubameyang looked fractionally offside for the third. Um, but I think, on balance, uh, if you look at tonight's game, yes, I think Arsenal did enough. I think just to go through, uh, it was it just wasn't meant to be for um, them. Yeah, they had the opportunities. Um, certainly in that second half, they came out strong after after being blown away in that sort of first twenty minutes or so when when Arsenal wiped out that first leg lead. Uh, it would have been very easy, I think, for Ren to have just crumbled. So I think credit to, to Ren, credit to Julien Stephon to to get the team, um, you know, into some sort of organisation because they did look a little lacklustre in that first half. He got them, um, he got them sorted, got them organised, and uh, Niang and hit the post. Um, and yeah, there were times in that second half where you thought, oh, you know what, a goal, a goal is almost there. Um, of course. 70-odd uh, minutes in and, and Arsenal get that third. I think that just... Although Ren still needed a goal to take... It would have taken it to extra time. It mm. just seemed to have just knocked them. And I think, sadly for Ren, a number of perhaps key players just weren't at their best. I didn't think Sarr had a particularly good game. Traore, I think, played pretty badly i think first half ben arthur was poor although he improved dramatically i think in the second half ben sabaini not great There was just what it was not not enough i don't think from ren um you know they if, if to, to stood any chance i think of qualifying they needed everything in their favor you know they needed 50 50 calls i think going in their favor they needed every single player in that starting 11 to perform at their best and i think if Certainly with one or two of those players not at their best, it was just one step too far, I think, for Wren. Mm,
0: yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's a strange one. I, I still don't know why they didn't add VAR to the Europa League as they've done with the Champions League. It seems very strange that it's too... pretty. I mean, the Europa League can be counted as a, Pretty big competition for you for UEFA and not adding it in much like they have in the Champions League just seems a little bit strange. Whether it's money constraints or something like that, I'm not all the the valid, validity of it with teams like Slavia Prague and, and Dinamo Zagreb still in it. Maybe that might be the reason, but it, it just doesn't sit particularly well for me. But regardless, I, I think I agree with you. Ren didn't quite have the impetus. It wasn't really it wasn't quite as bad as, say, Atletico Madrid against Juventus, where they really sort of surrendered, but they never really created much. There was the, the moment when Niang hit the post, wasn't there, in the in the second half, and they looked on top of things in that 20 minutes before Aubameyang got the, the third goal that Still, really didn't shouldn't kill off their chances. Really, I mean, a goal would have still sent it to extra time. Really, but they looked tired. They looked a bit leggy. I, I didn't quite understand Stefan's substitutions. You know, he brought off Benjamin Andre at one point for. Um, I think that's when he brought on Unu, wasn't it? For for Benjamin Andre or, or it, was, it was a similar sort of more attacking. It might have been Lea Saliki, maybe it was one or the other. But it was it was a very Attacking change in terms of taking out a midfielder completely, and the 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 sort of unbalance it gave them meant that they didn't really have the the impetus in that that second half. They they couldn't quite generate anything other than Hatton Banafa going on runs, and even then it needed um, him to to get on the ball, and he, he didn't really work hard enough in the second half. So a lot of those players didn't quite work hard enough. That uh, maybe give Borijo a pass out of anyone to to give the effort that he showed, but none of them really, really wanted the desire to get the ball back. And it was in the end, even, even about, even though a offside, it's a simple goal. The, the, it's, Second was a, a simple goal as well, and it it just felt like a. You must have felt it, yourself reached that that first goal was the deciding factor because it, the the important thing was to hold out for as long as possible and and unsettle them, which they did in the second half when when Arsenal sort of had switched gears at the very end of the first. And the fact that first goal went in so quickly though was a real not to knock to their confidence.
1: Yeah, I mean, all all in the build up to this game, once it looked pretty obvious that Arsenal were gonna go, were gonna go three five two. Um, once Lacazette was was announced as being available, um, all 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 the talk from the Rennes fans was that first fifteen minutes is going to be key. You know whether that um, you know come out of that with 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 it being you know, scoreless, Ren have a chance, and that fifteen minutes proved to be key because it's you know on on the dot, um, Arsenal uh, had got their second goal, um, and you just felt. You know, they have been so dominant at home um both both in europe and in the league um you know that's saw some stat I think over the last two years only man city have a a better home record I think in the Premier League um than than Arsenal so they have made the emirates um uh, difficult for away teams to come we, we only saw uh, at the weekend, how how tricky Man United found it. So, it was going to be a big, big town. Ta- Even at 3-1, it was always going to be a big, big ask for Ren to to progress. Um, it's, it's a shame that they got those early goals. Um, you know, it, that Arsenal team still are a little fragile. You saw it in that second half. You know, misplaced passes, they look nervous. Um, so, you just felt if Ren could have withstood that opening 15 minutes, you know, taking it, Taking it maybe even to half time at nil nil, then there there was a chance because Arsenal did look nervy, um, even at, even at two nil they looked nervy when Wren when Wren were on the attack. So it's a shame. It's been a really fun journey. Absolutely, definitely want to give credit to those Wren fans tonight. I mean, throughout throughout Europe, but you know tonight was obviously a big stage. There was just over five thousand of them in attendance at the game um it's been wonderful to follow all their stories as they they make their way across the channel by any means necessary some have flown some have gone by ferry some have gone by train some have driven it's been get there however you can um and then obviously we saw them saw them walking to the ground um today and 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 everybody arsenal fans the commentators on tv have all been praising how fantastic the fans have been so i think a real credit you know, to the fans. If the team perhaps didn't quite perform as they, they hoped, but the the fans certainly did and a, a huge credit to to the club for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And a couple of things just before we move on, I, I still can't quite get how they've worked out that Lacazette on suspension, really. It seems a strange appeals process that they, I believe that they sort of appealed it initially and they didn't get anything and then they've sort of appealed to reduce it and that they, they got a Dispense a very odd way of doing it. I didn't really understand the UEFA. I've never seen it done like that before. Previously, at least, anyway. So it baffled me that one a little bit. But you're right, Rich. the the, the important thing now, I suppose, for the players is is for Stefan to harness that and go. Do you want those experiences again? Do you want to have those nights in Europe again? Well, let's have a great finish to the league. Let's try and finish as high as we can. Now use that momentum. Try and get sort of fifth, which will probably be a, a Europa League spot, depending on the other cup results at least anyway and and try and get back into their competition because they have done uh, France proud because we teams have struggled in this competition really other than Marseille last season. It was a lot of times where Ligue 1 really treated this as a secondary competition. It was great for Ren to get through and and, uh, have a great knockout game against Betis and even push Arsenal uh, all the way and have a chance even right near the end but uh, great to see. Um, But our European, our European adventures have ended completely unfortunately this midweek, Rich, because Leon also failed to get a result at the Camp no, It's always going to be an uphill task. And 5-1's maybe a little bit complementary to Barcelona when Leon were really trying to go hell for leather to get anything out of the game really towards the end. But at the same time, Genezio maybe took a risk for going for a 5-3-2. Yes, they obviously wanted to be defensive again and, and hold off, but that formation really struggled against the, the front fray of Barcelona.
1: Uh, it did. Um, it, it did. I think in hindsight, he might not have, he might not have done that. Um, you know, frustration, I think for Leon probably stems more from that first leg, you know, where, where they did play ever so well and, and, you know, will be kicking themselves that they didn't get on the score sheet in that game. It just made, you know, great result in isolation, holding Barcelona. Um, but of course having to then go to, to the new camp and, and and get something then is a is a is a very very big ask. Um so yeah, formation wise, I think yeah, I, I can see why he tried it. Um, you know, he's tried it before and it's it's proved um, you know, it has proved successful. Um you felt I, I did feel for Leon. Um, you know, 5-1 is not representative. Again, I, I don't I, I don't deny that the opposition had the quality and deserve to go through that. There's no argument there. Barcelona did five one does flatter them. I think immensely it does um, perhaps tell a different story to the game. Um, I mean, if we start with that penalty decision, I you watch it and you watch it and you watch it. And with VAR available, um, I don't know how that isn't overturned. I really don't, you know, Denier goes in he goes in, yes, but you can see quite clearly on the replays, he he pulls out. He you know, his his legs don't go in for the challenge. Yet Suarez sub- sees the opportunity, stands on Denier. You know, if anything, it's a foul by Suarez on Denier. And if anything, actually you could make an argument that there's a card due for Suarez because it is quite a nasty stamp um on on Denier. He doesn't Suarez doesn't have to do it. But does it goes down theatrics? Penalty awarded. Now in real time, yes, I thought it's a penalty. But VAR was available. VAR supposedly reviewed this. That, uh, question marks were raised about whether VAR was fully functioning. UEFA today have come out and said, nope, that's not the case. Which then begs the question of how have VAR looked at that, and then not had a word in the referee's ear saying you need to have a look at this on the TV monitor. Because it's not a penalty. And it does it does change the complexion of the game. Barcelona, I think, would have still won. I don't I'm not disputing that. But it does change the course of the game because it, it's not a penalty. It really isn't. And and you know, less than 20 minutes into the game, that does change things. Um, you know, I think Leon did really well to to battle back from going two nil down. Um, you know, they came out in that second half. Ginessio gave them a, a pep talk. Tusar got the goal. I get it, that there are question marks over whether that should have been allowed because it it certainly looked like Marcelo was um a little bit rough, shall we say, when he he headed the ball back across. Uh, and then of course, you know, as 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 Leon were going for it, they got yeah, you know, they got sucker-punched really by those three fairly late goals which really did add way too much gloss on the scoreline. But uh, f- for me it's it's another it's another gripe. I have been a fan of VAR but in big moments, Champions League matches like this where a quarterfinal place is at stake, to, to have VAR not pick up on something like that, it, it pains me because I think VAR is a good thing. But when you see things like that, that only adds fuel to the fire of those that that think it does ruin the game uh, or the think that it's still not where it needs to be. So it's a pity for Lyon, um, but ultimately... Yeah, Barcelona absolutely had the quality. Um, you know, there's no doubting that Lionel Messi is the best player in the world. Um, it, it was too big of an ask for for Leon ultimately to go there and hope to either get a score draw or a win. It I, it didn't feel like it was something that was going to happen.
0: I'm going to probably have Pitchforks out for me and a bit anti football here because I'm going to go. On the contrary to yourself there, Rich, I, I actually think that is a penalty. Um, I, I think that there's a couple of reasons for it, really. Um, I think that, yes, Suarez does stand on him, really, and, and goes to ground. I, I think that it's not really a stamp. It's more of a him trying to go into the tackle more than anything. But I also think that if Luis Suarez stands still in that regard and keeps his feet where they should really be, which was, wasn't far off where he stood anyway, I think Denier, even when pulling quote-unquote, out of the challenge, had gone in with too much momentum and would have taken him out anyway. Um, I think that's probably why VAR's looked at that and gone, that's not something we can override. I think the referee's got correct there. I think Denier's caught being lazy in the tackle there. Yes, he tries to pull out, but I think his momentum would have taken out Suarez regardless of of what happened in the sort of intermediary. And it was uh, almost a stonewall penalty really for myself. I, I, I can't see how you can try and overturn that one with Suarez more looking for the contact, but Denier's momentum not really stopping him enough, even if he does try and pull out, much like a keeper sometimes tries to pull his hands away um, his, yeah, his momentum takes him into player, it was very much that scenario for myself I think so, I think that's probably a penalty and why really VAR can't dispute that one really and take it away from the referee and <laughs> I'm going to do one that's really going to annoy some people now because a lot of people were sending the uh, the video of, of Messi turning both Denier and, uh, and Marcelo for the third goal really where he turns them inside out and, and cuts him back inside onto his right foot after they dived in, both of them and I what I'm going to say is that's less Messi being magical and more the defenders being terrible there.
1: <laughs> yeah, my, no, my I would agree with you on that one. I think yeah. I think that's that's been a little bit overplayed as oh, isn't that an amazing bit of skill from Messi? Well, I think both Denier and Marcelo sold that one um, quite obviously, and I, I think most players would have identified you've got two player, two defenders who are not the most mobile. Um, Hurtling in one direction, I think most players would recognise. Oh, well, I've got time, I've got space. I can just cut back, um, and I've got uh, I've got the space then for the shot. So you know, I'd I'd agree with you on that one. I think the other thing as well that that was unfortunate for Leon, of course, was Anthony Lopez. Mm, yeah, um, that was a you know, look nasty. Um, you know, he stayed he stayed on after he he'd taken the blow to the head. Stayed on, didn't look great. Was eventually forced off in tears. Um, there were reports then that back in the dressing room he'd temporarily lost consciousness that he'd thrown up that he'd got no recollection of of telling the the Leon physio that no no I'm going to stay on the pitch um it, it seems as though he's okay now i think there was footage of him um walking out past the uh, past the press after the game so hopefully he's okay but it it didn't look it didn't look good it was really sad to see because he has been such an important player for Leon, And who knows? You know, I, I, I certainly don't think that would have been a 5-1 scoreline if Lopez was still on the pitch. I think Messi second, he would have saved, um, certainly. Um, uh, and I just think the confidence that he inspires throughout the team, um, I think probably would have made that a slightly fairer scoreline. Um, and perhaps another player, I think, to mention, one that that certainly did put in the performance was Ndombele. Um, you know, if this was a, an audition for a move to a bigger club in the summer, then he absolutely passed it because, um, you know, perhaps Messi aside, Suarez aside, he was perhaps the most influential player on the pitch, certainly the, one of the best players on the pitch. You know, he was all over the place. It was the on belly that we know, you know, he's back in tackling, he's on the ball, he's powering forward, um, you know, he's, he's, he's helping out in the attacks he was all over the place uh, and put in a really really solid performance that i know attracted a lot of people's interest so if the the um what olas has said is true in terms of only one of his his in-demand players is going to to leave then chances are on that performance it's going to be on ballet. Mm,
0: yeah absolutely and with the lopez thing that's that's a little bit shocking from the the, the coach and the physios if they've just taken his word that he's okay. They with concussions like this and the serious injuries that can cause from it, not just now, but in the future, they need to be a lot more careful with that and take their own assessments of where the goalkeeper needs to be. It's much better in some other sports and they need to be better than that. And well, like it, you say, it, yeah, it,
1: it, it won't take a lot for them to implement what they have in rugby with the head injury assessment of, of just take them off just temporarily take them off for five, 10 minutes, do some basic tests and then you can have a proper decision is he okay? Is there concussion? Is there something else? And then they can make the proper, fair, safe call to to the player. Ultimately, it's, it's player welfare. Ultimately, it's um, so. It, it, yeah, I think that was a good example of why that perhaps should be something that needs to be looked at and being introduced.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something it's something simple, isn't it? Even just a, a a brief substitution, like a temporary one for five minutes, ten minutes, especially if it's a goalkeeper. Really, and and say that. It's only for head injuries. We know it's a head injury. Take him off for a bit and see if he's OK more than anything. Um, hopefully that will be something in the future. And like you say, I, I don't think Lopez makes the mistakes Gorgeland does for the third and the fifth, really. You can argue the fifth is not doesn't cover himself in glory. Uh, let's go back to league matters then because it's a, a big weekend full of pretty big games and starting with one on Friday night because Lille take on Monaco, which last season... Both of these teams were on the opposite ends to where they are now. Monaco were fighting for the Champions League and Lille were struggling and fighting relegation. And now it's the other way around, although Monaco have recovered in the last couple of weeks. Rich Monaco heading to this one, really, with a couple of draws under their belt. They had sort of turned the corner under Genesio, uh, so, sorry under um, Jardim and they have been better in the last couple of weeks. But uh, two relatively disappointing draws, you may say, really. I mean, the win against Lyon the other week was really good. but They had to come from two behind against Orange to to get that result. And the the one-all draw against Bordeaux at that point with managerless is a bit disappointing given that they were really on top for a lot of that. But they look pretty much clear of it. But this will still be not just a big test for for Jardim, but for the players and see how far they have come in the last couple of weeks because the Lyon game was a bit of an outlier, but this will be a true test
1: yeah it definitely will be i think the one thing to say with monaco is yes they were disappointing draws but i think unlike earlier in the season under under jardine first time round and then under Henri, you know they're not playing well but they're still at least getting a point um you know we rewind the clock back to before christmas they were pe- playing badly and losing um so at least at least they are playing you know whilst they're not playing at their best they're still picking up points um but it is clear that that they have turned a corner um you know there is a level of of organization to the team now there is a level of stability um the players confidence i think is slowly starting to return you know i think a lot of those players were a little fragile maybe and obviously jardine wasn't able to get the best out of them i mean you know we, we hail him as this returning hero but they weren't playing well under him at the start of the season. We, we mustn't forget that. Um, but then obviously things deteriorated, I think, under Henri. But Jardim has come back. He's managed to instill some confidence. That was, I think, a big thing missing from those players. Now, whether it was, you know, sort of a bit too much of a an attitude issue from some of those players, it might be. Uh, but confidence was a big thing that seemed to be lacking in a lot of those players. He's got them back. He's obviously seen the the January signings come in, and uh, and certainly a number of those have impressed um, of, of late. He's got Falcao fit again. Falcao is is, is scoring the goals as we know he can. Um, he's managed now to work out what what on earth was up with golovan earlier in the season because golovan now is 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 playing well. The defense still is looking a little shaky, I think, but there are signs that it's it is improving. Uh, there's still a long way to go yet, but there there are little bits. It, it's baby steps. They're not they're not going in and launching into you know we're making a late push for Europe or anything silly like that. They've recognised that it has been a disappointing season, but they've also I think recognised well. Look, this is a rebuilding process. Ultimately, if we're not going to allow people the chance to rebuild. What's the point of having this project where we have these players and then sell them on? So there are going to be up and down seasons. You know, they're going to be these seasons at rock bottom while they start to build up again. And, you know, the hope would be, I think in sort of five years time, they're back challenging for the, for the league and title again, but it will take time. Um, But yeah, I think this, this, this will be a big test um, for, for both teams. Um, I think it's going to be a sign of, of of where they actually are. You know, Monaco are going to come up against a very good team in Lille. But I think Lille, we'll, we'll come on to, I'm sure, aren't quite at their best at the moment either. So I think this this one is slightly more in the balance than we perhaps thought it was going to be a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, it's a bit funny, it just feels like Monaco, while they look like they're pretty much safe now, I think the bottom three are going to fight it out between themselves, ready to try and just get a a relegation playoff spot, but we'll wait and see, because there's there's some football to be played, but it just feels like they need one more win, and and while Lille are a tough game, and it's a a tough side, it'd be important for them to try and get something but they are against Colin Gangomp and really two wins out of that six points and you would say Monaco having beat both the teams two teams below them that that's going to pretty much secure their their safety full stop but it just seems like they've they've hit a couple of breakers earlier I I said the other week that the way they turn things around against Angers was a positive nevertheless of of going behind 2-0 was disappointing but Jardim giving them a right kick up the backside clearly changed things in the second half but against Bordeaux they were really on top, they should have scored a couple more really and allowed Bordeaux to stay in the game bit of a silly penalty and uh, back to 1-1 and it's going to be interesting to see how they play against a Lille team that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago really Richard and a a couple of times recently that the results haven't quite been as strong really, they got a good win against Saint-Etienne that was a bit feisty towards the end no doubt about that and they sort of endeavoured to win that one more than anything because after that winning against Nice it's been you know 2-1 loss in the cup to Rennes 2-0 winning against Gangon which is you know expected a couple of draws against Montpellier and Strasbourg where they sort of laboured to it a win against Dijon that came from an own goal and then a win against Santetien that's come from a late goal more than anything they're still getting results and points on the ball which is the main thing really but they've not been quite as dynamic really as they have been in the weeks prior
1: yeah I mean this is the Christophe Galtier that we we all know and love I think um you know it's it's not the prettiest of football certainly a long way from the football we saw in the early early half of the of the season where Lee fantastic stuff um they've now entered that sort of gritty phase where um maybe it's tiredness they, they obviously flew out of the traps i think um and we obviously ever so reliant on on that front three um so maybe it is a little bit of tiredness um creeping in but yeah performances and uh, have certainly dropped off in the last few weeks um and they've now entered that phase of having to win ugly. Um, which I think is a, a little a little dangerous because it's certainly not in the nature of some of those players um, to to play like that. Um, but ultimately, they're still getting the results. They're still helped out by the fact that teams below them can't put together a consistent run. Um, but yeah, it's it, you know that second place, which I, I did genuinely feel, um, you know, sort of around the turn of the year, was 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 really. You know, within their well, within their grasp, you know, it's just starting to look a little bit more dicey, I think, in the last few weeks. Um, so Friday night will be a big test for them. Um, I think they're going to be pushed quite hard by the by by Jardim's Monaco side. Um, but Galtier, you know, if, if anybody knows how to win ugly, if anyone knows how to put in a gritty, gritty, not particularly attractive, but very um, efficient. Uh, performance. Then it's then it's a, man, a team managed by Christophe Galtier. You know he did that year in year out at Saint Etienne. It really is his bread and butter. Um, so he will be up for it. There's there's no question about that. Um, it's just making sure that his players are are willing to put in that kind of effort that that's demanded from from those kind of performances.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's always the worry, isn't it? That that Leo sort of let it slip a little bit and, and let other teams back in because they, they do have some difficult games coming up really. I mean, got rats away, they got PSG in a couple of weeks' time, in sort of mid-April. Um, they got Lyon before the end of the season as well, away from home. Ran away from home for the final game of the season. They just don't want any sort of last-minute slip-ups to let them in, because I mean, seven-point gap to Lyon is is plenty at the moment, and it, they would like that to be even bigger. To be fair, more than anything, just to make sure that these last couple of games don't, out of their sort of ten they have remaining, don't don't really catch them out in any way, because they have been really great this season and them just getting some more of those difficult wins is is a real positive for them because uh, you kind of need those results over a course of a season. Otherwise, you do start really struggling and and dropping points. So getting some 1-0 wins in the last couple of weeks has been a real positive, especially because, in all honesty a couple of these players are going to be going in the summer. It's, uh, one, pretty obviously, I think. But um, some other players may be looking for the doors and seeing what, what else can be around unless Lille Leo can do something financially to, to convince them to stay. Uh, let's get a prediction on this one. Rich, what do you think the score will be?
1: Um, well, I said I think Monaco will push them. Um, I think with Monaco starting to turn a corner, with Leal not 100% at their best, I think... I think a draw could be on the cards here. So I will go uh, one-all draw, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely feels like a one-all draw, doesn't it? I think uh, it, it feels like one of those games where maybe maybe Leo get off to a fast start and get a goal, but they sort of get a bit lethargic and, and Monaco nick one back and it, it stays at 1-1 and they can't quite break them down again. But um, an interesting game, nonetheless, on, on Friday evening. Great to have some Friday games. Back and then on to well we'll skip towards Saturday and the the multiplex is still a smaller multiplex only four games on Saturday evening and the really interesting one involves the two teams I mentioned in my uh, Liga snapshot <laughs> really on on Monday and that's Angers versus Amiens both teams in good form both teams having some success in recent weeks rich uh, and we'll start with the hosts because they had. One hell of a comeback last week, really. Uh, they were dead and buried against Montpellier, two goals down and a man down with 20 minutes to go. You couldn't have really imagined them turning it around, but they did and they were excellent against Monaco um, despite going, uh, ending up with a two-all draw. They maybe should have been three or four in the first half and Florian Tate especially was, was terrific. And after a great February that was let down by that defeat to, to Gangon. but at the same time, Yet again they've pulled themselves away from danger yet again Stefan Moulin's done a terrific job and yeah again they're going to be in Liga next season
1: well that's the thing isn't it if and and you know i said if ever a team knows how to be gritty and 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 get wins when they're playing ugly it was it was one managed by galtier but second i think must surely be, be Angers because they they never know when to, to you never know when the end is nigh you know they seemingly constantly punching above their weight um you know they they you know season after season um they've lost their best player we all thought you know last summer when they lost toko Kambe, oh you know that's it that's that's angers done but you know they scrap away they fight away and and you know at the turn of the year it wasn't a particularly good january um you know they lost a couple of games they rather well, embarrassingly, went out in the, the Coupe de France to significantly uh, lower league opposition. And they just started to slip. And then February came around and they had a really good February. Um, you know, some impressive performances 3 0 at home to Nice and 2 1 away at, at Strasbourg. Excellent stuff. And then go and lose at Kangong just to put them back into the mire. And you think, is this going to be them back on the slippery slope? And But then they get a two-hole draw with Monaco. And then, as you say, that terrific fight back at the weekend, you know, down to 10 men, 2-0 down at Montpellier and two really, really late goals to salvage a point. Um, They just never know. They just never know when to stop. You know, they're they're constantly scrapping, constantly fighting. Um, You genuinely never know what you're going to get from a result from an Angers game, but you do know what you're going to get, I think, from a performance um it, it isn't going to be a pretty performance, but it will be damn effective. Um, it will be scrappy. Um, but you know, they, they do remain a team that you just think absolutely hats off to them, you know, with, with the everything around that, everything around that club suggests they shouldn't really be in League You know, the squad I don't think is particularly great. It's not a particularly big ground. You know, Stefan Muhann is a is is not your typical Liga manager. There's there's still something very laid back, almost a bit, and I don't mean this disrespect. Almost a bit non-league about him in his his sort of attitude and the way he looks and presents himself and everything about it. You would think, how have they survived in the top flight for so long? Yet season after season, they're doing it. Um, so you can only give them credit for that. Um, that that they continue to to fight away, scrap away, get the wins when it really really matters. And I think having the experience of the last couple of seasons where they've had to scrap at this point of time in the season, I think really is going to pay pay dividends for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone could take away how good Mulan has been for them and it maybe it may a clue to everyone else really in Liga that when you've got a manager that's a bit stable and done well, like we said last year, that when they were struggling and really fighting up against it, did they sack Mulan? No, they gave him a new contract. And I know I keep banging on about it, but it's so rare that it has to be noted because what's happened both times is that give them such a boost. It gave them a new manager bounce in in the same way that you would do if he he had got sacked because the team went on about a a four-game winning run and and pulled themselves away and never looked back. And it's the same this year. They struggled for a bit. They had a a decent uh, September to prepare after losing all of August, really. Uh, that got them slightly away from danger, but much like before, they slowly went back to it. But in January, he must have gone back to the drawing board. He got them back to working. He got back the system that he wanted to play and the way he wanted to play. And they got results again and it, terrific February has pulled them away really into mid-table and well-deserved that he's yet again got them firing on all cylinders. Now I think uh, again, coming back to the man who got the two goals against Monaco as well and Florian Tate, I think a couple of teams maybe will look at him in the summer because I think he's been terrific for them and uh, excellent to see them coming up and getting some results and they, I I can't see them slipping back because there is a massive gap to those teams at the bottom. And another side pulling themselves away from dangerous. I know Adam sort of mentioned many times that once they got their goal scorers back it would look like a changed team and they absolutely have done really and that's uh, all credit really to the staff at at, at Amiens who are even smaller really and Christophe Palissier side of Surprised everyone last season for staying up. We we really gave them no chance because they, they barely have a budget. There's a very small stadium as well. But yet again, they look like they're going to do it again because of the, the quality they have going forward. And the return of Musa Konate especially has just been the, the fire starter they needed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think a large part of what I said for, uh, for Angers can be repeated for Amiens. I think... The the key difference, I think, perhaps, is just in that slight style of play. I think Angers is is as I said was 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 gritty. It wasn't particularly attractive. Right. I think Amiens do try and play. It's a horrible it's a horrible cliche, and They do try and play football. Um, you know, I think you look at the players that they have in that squad. They they really do try and play some good stuff, and that that can hurt them, you know, because teams that can do that better come along. And, and play them off the park. But every now and again, they they find that magic combination and it works and it gets them the result. It worked last season. It looks like it's possibly going to just do the job again this season. And when you take into account how important Musa Kanate is and how long they've had to go without him, the fact that they aren't, you know, well and truly bogged down in those bottom three is absolute credit to Policier, absolute credit to the rest of the squad. Um, I've liked some of their moves as well. I think er- signing Eric Peters uh, from from Stoke um, in the January transfer window, I really like that move. You know, I was a little curious as to why Stoke let him go, um, but but they did, and you know, it's it's all to the advantage of of Amioun because I do think he's a good defender. You know, he got a, he got his his first goal for the club at the weekend. Um, yeah, Amioun again, just another. T- there's, there's probably a significant number of them in Liga, uh, but just another really plucky team that you can't help but admire. Because again, I'm repeating myself, I know, so apologies. But again, everything about the way that they're set up screams not top flight, yet they are. And, you know, not only are they top flight, but they're well deserving of being top flight for the way that they play, the way that they they handle themselves um and ultimately, the performances and the results that they get. Um, so again, another another coach who has has been around for for a little while and and won't necessarily get all the headlights because of you know the clubs that he manages because he's he's managing only and again no disrespect but only at Amiens he's not going to get um, you know all the go- all the glory that those at the top do but he's doing just as equal you know just as impressive work. Um, keeping keeping that amiens on side, you know, in the top flight. And actually in the top flight with you know, you look at the gap, there's seven points from the from, from, from Dijon in eighteenth. So you would say that's probably just going to be enough. Um and we can sit here saying that mid March. You know, the fact that we're saying that at this time of the season just shows how impressive a job. Um, has been done at, at Amiens. So another team where you, you can't help but just, you know, doth your cap at, at, at what's been achieved there.
0: Yeah, yeah, terrific work. And there is a, a fair few in Liga, and like this year. I mean, you can point to how good Strasbourg have been this season, how good Rass have been, uh, Montpellier to an extent as well, they've, they've, Nîmes as well. We we keep forgetting and sleeping on them. There's been some terrific jobs in, in Liga, but obviously that does mean that some have, have really struggled. But credit to them for for keeping them up and and, uh, playing entertaining football as well, I think is the more important thing there. They have been much, much better in the last couple of weeks uh, at playing football and uh, they're really going to have an interesting one at Entree. So I'll get a prediction on this one now, Rich, what do you think the score will be?
1: Um, I think um, just on the way and the style that they play, I think Amion might nick this. Um, I'm going to go with 2-1 Amion.
0: Mm, I, I think this will be a one-all draw again. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's the similar result. Angers uh, have had a few times already of two-two, but um, I just think that both of them have the quality to cancel each other out. Angers are just a sneaky team for for getting a goal here or there, and, and like we say, um, amion on are, are a better attacking side as well. They were excellent defensively last season, weren't they? But um, they they are really much better going forward this year, and uh, I think they can't really be held back by by Angers. But on, on to a uh, well, a really big game for both sides, really, because it's Dijon versus Gangon uh, Gangon uh, hosting this weekend in in what is clearly a relegation six-pointer. Rich, I mean, starting with the host. They're on 19 points. They're only two off Dijon at the moment, but they are eight away from Monaco and from safety, really, or com- well, complete safety at least, which looks a bit of a mountain for them to climb at the moment, really, given that um, given their recent results and their recent form, and they've had a couple of moments where they looked good. I mean, they were they obviously got the result well, we mentioned earlier against Angers. They got close in the game against Bordeaux as well a couple of weeks ago where they maybe could have nicked it. Same with the game against not they, they obviously got a bit of looks they they didn't um, concede the end. But we mentioned last week that the Toulouse game was massive for them to get a result, and they didn't. In fact, Toulouse probably should have won by two or three, maybe even four. It was a really poor performance. And uh, they head to that Dijon one. <sighs> does this one feel like last-chance saloon? For you, for you, Rich, I know they've got Cole sort of late May, but that May one well may come a little bit late. But if they want any chance of staying up completely and not having to try and settle for fighting for that relegation playoff spot, they, they need the three points here, surely.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, that, that defeat to Toulouse turned this into, if it wasn't already a must-win game, it turned it into an absolute must-win game. You know, you look at who they've got left to play, um, you know, they've got Marseille to play. They've got to go to Nice. Um, they've got to go to Bren. Um, you know, you would say that they are games that they might not win. They've got to go to Montpellier as well. You know, all of a sudden it puts games like this. Um, you know, they're at home to Cologne. They're away at Amiens. Um, it's those kind of games now that, that have to be. They have to be. They've got, a, you know, a, a significant points gap now to make up. Um, and the teams that, that sit above them in that points gap, they know how to win. Gangon have gone a long time. Um, you know, they, they obviously got the win against Angers, but it was a long time prior to that that they got their previous win. Um, has he, he's had some effect. Um, I think performances have been generally better, but they're still not enough. Um, you know they were unlucky uh, in in the game away at, at Lyon. Um, they could have nicked something away at Bordeaux. They could have nicked something um, at Nantes. In actual fact, I mean, they nearly blew it all, of course, with um, with that that missed penalty in the dying moments from Nantes. But that loss to Toulouse turned this into, without doubt, a 100% absolute must-win game for Gangon. If they don't, if they don't win it then I think probably the originators, if you like, of of everything that we have said about the likes of Angers and, and Amiens this evening, Gangon feel to me like the originators of that. They were the plucky underdog that didn't belong in the top flight yet, yet were and stayed there and actually impressed. Um, but it, it, it does feel like that time is pretty much up for them. Um, certainly for this sort of generation, if you like, of, of gang i mean they will be back i'm sure but it feels very much a case of, of fail to win uh, you know even if they do win it's a it's a huge task ahead of them but you know if they don't come away with all three points from this game then i genuinely do think we're going to have to say goodbye to them um for, from league on
0: yeah <laughs> I think they'll just regret on on trying to lean on this young generation that they thought is maybe going to be bigger than they have been really unfortunately. Uh, Marcus Turam aside I think he can get a, a pass because he has scored a fair amount of goals and he has been uh, okay. I think he's been supplemented by the amount of penalties he scored really a little bit overrated but he, he's certainly going to be a league on player next season anyway. I think someone will, will pick him up but uh, the two in particular in Ludovic Blah who's never really kicked on from what we thought the level he could be but especially Marcus Cocco who got himself sent off as well in stupid fashion against Toulouse. He's never really kicked on from what looked like a promising player a couple of years ago. He's never, if anything, he's gone backwards from that player that we thought he was going to be. He's not creating, he's not scoring goals. He's not particularly adding much danger to a gang outside that's desperate for something. I mean, he scored one goal all season and two assists and that goal was... <laughs> I love, well, week 16 was the last time he scored, and the last time he had an assist was the, the game against Angers where they won, but before that was against Paris Saint Germain in a, a comfortable loss. His contribution has not been good enough as much as they expected it to, and uh, while well, that's a lot to weigh on on young shoulders, the, the players around him haven't been particularly good either, but they may be trusting in that young player and hoping that they would get more out of those youngsters has maybe been their, their real downfall. But they take on a Dijon side that <laughs> should give them hope, really. we were thumped in midweek. I don't think we needed to spend much time on on really how much uh, they were battered, really, by Paris Saint-Germain and maybe could have been six, five or six on another evening as, as much as bid. But Dijon are in a pretty terrible run in the league. They beat Monaco back in late January, but they... Uh, I've only picked up a point since then in about seven games, which is relegation form. If you've ever seen it rich and i strange that that the point is really against Ras, but you know, before that they, they did pretty well against Lille, even though they got defeated in the end. And like I say, they got a point against Dijon, but uh, against uh, Ras the other week, sorry. And at the same time, as this being a gam must win, it is, it's, it's pretty much a must-win for Dijon as well because of two reasons, really. is that, A, if they win here, they maybe have a chance of catching anyone who decides to slip from that group above them. And, B, if they lose this one, it puts them right back into the mire and then both teams, really, or th- them certainly, at least, relying on that relegation playoff as the sort of safety net more than anything.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I think, I think you know, a large... Part of saying that Gangomp it's a must-win game for them. It's it's pretty much must-win for Dijon. Um, I think for Dijon that I just struggle to see how they do it. They've they just you know for a team that entertained so much last season, you know when we you know obviously their home form was terrific, but they scored a, you know they scored a lot of goals. They've completely forgotten how to score goals uh, in the last few games. I mean, is it? I'm just looking at it now it's two goals in seven league games. You know the, that that's dried up. They've never had a particularly strong reliable defence even when they had a you know their excellent season last season. You know it was all really thanks to the fact of the you know the old philosophy of we'll just score more than you that really kept them up. So you know all of a sudden they've got that porous defence but they haven't now got the goals to back it up and that is an absolutely fatal combination and you know there's a reason why they have absolutely dropped like a stone um in the last couple of months um I I I don't see how how the rot stops for them um but it's curious because the team isn't particularly isn't particularly different from last season but confidence has gone um players just aren't at that same level maybe they haven't got the look maybe they haven't got that sort of Fresh, new feeling in in the division that they had last season, um, but it, it it's looking ever so light there. and it's 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 going to be terrifically entertaining for the neutral because you've got those three teams at the bottom who are all in such awful, awful form. Um, but of course, one of them will get the reprieve of a of a relegation playoff, um, so it will make it very entertaining, but. My goodness, Dijon are, are, are nowhere near this. You know, if you'd shown someone a Dijon game from last season and said, "Yep, yeah, that's the same team, pretty much the same players, they wouldn't believe you. Um, because Dijon, the, the Dijon of now, they look an absolute ghost of the side that they were not even 12 months ago, to be perfectly honest, probably not even six months ago. But something, something's gone wrong there and it's a big big concern because as i say it's those goals they've got the got the players um you know they've never they've never had the player that's going to bag them you know 15 20 goals but between the sort of front line they've got the players that you know should have enough firepower to see them safe but yeah for some reason it's just not working for them at the minute and i really don't see where that rot ends
0: yeah absolutely i think you make an excellent point there. Um, Rich and I wonder if they'll look back on this season thinking that yeah they've got the players why did they get rid of the manager Um, I know they were on a poor run up to the winter break really and they sacked him just before the, the turn of the year but he knew how to get something out of these players didn't they I don't understand why they didn't think okay he's got the winter break now let's give him some time let's give him some some opportunities to try and lift these players that he knows how to get the best out of because, like you say, there hasn't been an enormous amount of change. I mean, Tavares is still there, although he scored very few this season. Wesley Said had a great season last year under Dalla Leo. Chan Hun Kwan as well. Um, Naim Sleety, the, with him back in fitness. I, I know a lot of teams looking at um, Enzo Lodi, he's not played um, recently. Um, uh, Valentin Rosier, as well as being looked at uh, by bigger clubs, and uh, he struggled. But I, I don't understand the, the 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 wisdom of allowing him to go and, and not trying to trust him. Given that Dijon aren't there, having got the greatest means, shall we say, and knowing that how well Diolli have got them playing. And while I've always yeah. been quite a fan of Kumbari, and I think a few of us have been he led Gangomp to where they are at the moment. And he's not exactly pulling the trees for, for Dijon at the moment. So yeah, I don't know if they'll just look back on this and thinking maybe why didn't we go the Angers route and trust our manager a little bit more that had given us such a lift last season that maybe they may, maybe should have done more to keep him around and see well, if he you, could. You look, at, you look
1: at the, you look at the three, you know, sort of unfashionable teams who've punched above their weight successfully. You look at the three, probably the three big ones re- in recent seasons. Your first one's Gangon. You know, they had seasons where they were struggling. They stuck by Bourbonek until he, he decided to move on to something new. You, As you, as you, say, uh, you said earlier, Angers, you know, they, they've they had seasons where they've struggled. Most seasons, they do struggle. They just about get enough for, But they stick by the, and have stuck by Stefan Moulin. And then Amiel, you know, they obviously started last season terrific well, but they, they absolutely plummeted. Um, towards the end, and then this season they've been fighting, but they have stuck with Pellicier. You just think there's a reason why those teams have worked and it worked for them for so long. They they stuck by the manager. You know, the manager gets them into that position. He knows how to get quality from the players. The manager doesn't change. <laughs> he really doesn't. Um, it's crazy why teams that fall into this position the first thing that they do, yeah, let's just get rid of the manager. We know he brought success. We know that the team can perform under him, but let's get rid of him. It's a crazy decision and there's very few teams where that seems to work out happily and I don't see Dijon being one of them.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And you you can add to that. I know he's sort of um, said he's retired more than anything, but maybe money might have convinced uh, Patrice Garon to stay at, at Cole, maybe, and and try and done something to keep him because they've fallen like a stone when he just knew how to keep their, their heads above water. And it, it's really underappreciated in Liga and the, the fact that that really I, I think like we've just mentioned continuity can be so important to these these smaller clubs to try and keep them up because it, it makes such a difference. I mean, I don't think I Amion mean, I've even had a moment to think of of getting rid of Christophe policier at any time has it crossed their mind really because he, he's done a terrific job there and it shows that the success you get is from from sometimes having your faith when they the going gets tough. Sometimes the tough get going, but massive game at the weekend. What do you think the score will be, Rich?
1: Um, everything in my every fibre in my body is telling me this is going to be nil nil, but I really don't want to predict a nil nil. So I'm going to go that Gangon just about sneak it. So I'll go one nil Gangon.
0: Yeah, I'm absolutely agreeing with you, Rich. I think it'll be a 1-0 going on win and we'll have a real bar fight between those three teams for the end of the season because I think some of the results may go against them still really with with tough games to go for all of them and other teams maybe got an easy run in and, and may start pulling away that those three are all really fighting for, for that one relegation playoff position, which is, I suppose, a bit lucky for them that that was introduced a few weeks ago, really. On to our final game, and it's it's, it's a big one, isn't it? It's Le Classique this weekend uh, as Paris Saint-Germain take on Marseille. Uh, And going to the hosts first, it's a difficult one for them to balance, really. This is arguably, other than maybe a Coupe de France final, should they get there, the biggest game of the season they've got left really PSG I mean a, a win here and anything in terms of uh, anything uh, happening at Lille that's uh, any difficulty will mean that there'll be a 20 point gap should Lille lose to Monaco and, their, and PSG get a result against Marseille and with a game in hand that can make it 23 which doesn't just make it a formality it makes it a, a realistic possibility that in the in a week or two's time, they maybe even be crowned champions of of Liga, which would be a terrific feat for them. But uh, is this a difficult thing for Tuchel to motivate for, or or do you think because it is Le Classique that they can he can say to them, "This is well one of your last cup finals that you've got the season. Go and show your worth."
1: Yeah, I think the big thing and and the thing I'm probably most intrigued about for this game is what the the Parc des Prince um crowd alike. This is the first time that PSG are playing in front of them since they blew it against Man United in the Champions League. Um I think that exit more than any other has really got the ire of the fans. Um you know six you know that that the Barcelona remontada was unique, shall we say, in terms of the 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 um you know, the the size of the win. But certainly there were enough gripes, I think, with officials that meant the team, perhaps from their own fans anyway, got away with it slightly more than they perhaps should have done. This result, I know there was some immediate debate about that penalty, but I think that's been moved, that's moved on, I think, quite quickly. This result and uh, the manner in it um, has really, I think, peed you know, peed off the fans. <laughs> i think that's really got to them um they have been more vocal than i've ever known about the you know how angry they are with with the club the way it, it holds itself and the performance that the team put in so it's gonna be really interesting you know this is their biggest club game of the season for for, for psg i don't care what people say it still is um it's going to be really interesting to see how the fans react. You know, are the players going to get booed? Is there going to be a subdued atmosphere? Or are the fans going to think, actually, you know what? Let's put this this, this frustration behind us because this is Marseille. These are our big our big rivals, our historical rivals. And, you know, let's let's put the focus on beating them and beating them you know, handsomely. So I think Tuckle has to remind the players that They've got a lot to do, I think, to get the crowd and the fans back on side. So I think Tuchel will be using that as the motivation. I think for his players going into this game. Um, certainly, you've heard from the likes of Thomas Meunier, um uh, over the last week that that he's really eager to get into this game. Um, so I think Tuchel will definitely be using that as a way to to pump the players up um, because there is a risk now that they'll just go into to sort of um autopilot for the rest of the season. They've got the league sewn up. Um Europe's gone. They've got one cup final to come. There's a there is a real, real chance that they could just cruise to the finish line here. But I don't think Tucker will want that. Um I don't you know, I think he is acutely aware that of, of how angry those fans are. So that's something I think definitely to keep an eye out for. Uh, and probably an ear out for actually um, in this game is is the is the crowds and the fans reaction. Um, but you know, uh, saying that I, I I don't expect we're going to see anything other than a PSG win. Um, they they just seem to know how to do it against Marseille of late. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's going it, to for me. It's less about the PSG performance. It's more about the fans reaction. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to
0: be a really, really interesting thing, isn't it? To see how how those fans react for for introducing the players, because I mean, they give Dijon a bit of a thumping, but that wasn't really all surprising. But the fans will be expecting some kind of reaction against Marseille. They'll want to see it because, like we say, even a, a win here, even if Lille do win the um, another victory in their um, their next game, when they they play their next rescheduled match, that should give them a twenty-three point lead, and I mean, they only need to get to seven games then, and that's the the title sewn up. And hopefully, they'll be looking forward to Coupe de France final, and hopefully, they won't see it as a as a, a bit of a frustrating season more than a lost season. I think at least this time. But onto their opponents, who'll be just as eager to to. Land another, um, put and blow blow to them really. Even that won't really affect anything league wise for Paris Saint Germain. It could be a big result for, for Marseille, depending on how obviously Lyon get on further that night because they're starting to to catch up with Legon and for that Champions League place. And it's going to be a bit of a fight for them now. And they've been better in the last few weeks. They maybe could have got a couple more at the weekend really, but they'll settle for the one they did get in the win against Nice that that got them the result they wanted and. With Mario Balatelli looking confident and looking happy in a team, they could be dangerous in this one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they will be kicking themselves that this isn't at the Velodrome, <laughs> um, but you know they're, they're in they're in really good form. Um, it, you know, it's no coincidence that they've they finally got their man in in January and Ballatelli. Um, you know, a striker who knows how to score. Um, perhaps his, his first half of the season perhaps went against the grain there, but um, you know he's come in, he's performed brilliantly. Um, he's got he's got that team a central um, attacking focus, which has meant the likes of you know eases that pressure on Tova. Um, it perhaps takes away the fact that they just relied on him. Full stop. Um, the defence is looking better. I'm liking the look of the Caletta Carr and and, and Kamara partnership. I think that's looking pretty solid. Um I think um yeah that that shored things up. Um yeah, so I think ultimately P- um, sorry, P- Marseille will come into this game with confidence. Um you know they they're off the back of uh, you know they they've they've gone what is it 7 6 games undefeated. Um of which they've only dropped points away at Rennes um so yeah in, they are they are in good form things are going well for them they're scoring the defense is looking tight um uh, this obviously is a completely different test and, and a, a huge step up um but i think they can certainly come to to the park the practice in a much better frame of mind than than they might have done had this been this fixture been uh, a month or two ago um so yeah, it's it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be perhaps um, there's the potential. Shall we? Say? I'm not going to say it will be, but there's the potential. I think for this to be a lot tighter than people might might give uh, give Marseille credit for. So I am really looking forward to this. I think it it, it could well turn out to be uh, one of the more tighter um, classics at, at the Parc des Prince. Mm,
0: yeah, it's going to be a really interesting fight. Really between two. Big rivals and credit to Marseille for coming out of that really bad slump mid season to, to bounce back. But they will be really frustrated now if they've got themselves back in that position, if they can't try and get themselves in and around Lyon, by the time they play them um, towards the end of the season, then it's going to really frustrate them that they couldn't really salvage something, especially with only the league to focus on. Obviously, Lyon are at the Champions League now, but still have the Cups to face, and they've been really pouring games. They should be winning as well, Lyon, and they've got a tricky game against Montpellier who are never easy to play against, although they have been chipping goals recently, so they, they might be a little bit hopeful than they would have been, but I'm sure Marseille fans will be desperate to, if they can just get back in the Champions League for them, it should be a massive boost for them next season but um, obviously they may have to go some some qualifiers which may make it easier but with the new rules it's not as difficult as it used to be at least predictions then to finish off Rich it's a a massive game, what do you think the score will be?
1: Um, I stand by that I think this will be tight Um, I'm going with a 3-1 PSG win but my caveat is that there will be late goals for PSG um, I think Marseille will push them hard, but I think PSG do have obviously have the quality to get the win. But I do think it will be late in the game that they they secure it.
0: I'm actually going for a bit of a stronger win actually I'm going for a 5-1 PSG win I think it'll be cagey and close in the first half but I think PSG's quality and the fact that Marseille will try and get themselves back into the game and and PSG will punish them just to give something to the fans and show them that um, that that Manchester United result was more of a one-off and they'll hopefully head into their next game for themselves at least with with a bit of glee get a result in, in the The game they got off and uh, they can hopefully rest up until the the Coupe de France final, should they get through obviously their uh, their semi-final. That's all that we have time for this evening. My thanks to Rich and all of you uh, listening at home. Uh, Do join us again for the main show on Monday, but for now enjoy your weekend of football.